Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Mike Seidel. He is the CTO and co-founder of Pivot CX. He has split his career between sales, marketing, and building software. Prior to building Pivot CX, which used to be work here, which we had in an earlier interview a few years ago, uh, Mike founded Indie Associates, Virtual Payment Systems, and Professional Blog Service. He also served as Director of Development for uh, Direct Employers Association, where he helped architect the National Labor Exchange and served on the Board of Directors for their HR Open Standards Consortium. Mike, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me. Uh, that HR Open Standards Consortium, that was a mouthful. <laughs> yes. I had, to, I had to, like, I had to swallow a little bit just to kind of, like, articulate that and have, like, a, they don't want to have dry mouth there. Uh, <laughs> But um, Mike, you know, I, I think it was, gosh, when you guys started out with work here, I think 2017, I was the first marketing hire and oh my gosh, things have, a lot of things have changed since then. That's, it's been, um, oh my gosh, almost five years now. Um, with it, it has all. been, it and, has been, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the biggest question is, is that you are Pivot CX now. And so why did you spin or why did, um, you know, the leadership team, you know, want to spend pivot CX, pivot CX out of work here? Well, um, so a couple of things. One, um, we, uh, we had a really bad, really awful, really terrible year uh, 2020. Uh, when COVID hit, we lost 85% of our customers in February and March. So we, we went from having a whole bunch of big marquee customers, you know, like uh, Bridgestone and, and, we went down from that to, to three customers that stayed with us. And uh, all three of those customers were using us to um, chat with uh, job applicants. And so we looked at the situation and we go, you know, we're going to get this 2020 thing. There's all the government assistance and all that out there. Maybe what we do is just rebuild the business and we'll listen to our customers and uh, kind of remake our product around this workflow that, that these three customers have that, that, are staying with us. And so I uh, spent most of 2020 building new software. And then in uh, January of this year, um, we uh, had $5,000 of revenue total. That's it. Um, we launched the new software. And I just got my financials for October done. And uh, we are in the high 80,000 range of monthly revenue. So we, we uh, have grown considerably in a year. Um, New software is working out really, really well. But, but more than anything, um, you know, the name Pivot CX, where it came from, was uh, um, we made a pivot. We took the business that was this uh, kind of Yelp for Jobs app, um, was kind of a cool idea, but um, it kind of fell in the bucket of, of zombie. Uh, it was a good enough idea to, to make it. it. It could make a little bit of money, but it wasn't a good enough idea to really explore and grow quickly and all of that. And, and so when COVID hit, uh, we kind of got lucky in that, um, you know, it, it killed it and we had to re rethink what we were doing. So uh, we're really, really looking forward to the next year. We know um, we know we're going to grow a lot in 2022. And um, the thing that makes me the happiest is that customers we have on our new product are very happy with it. They're getting results. They're getting uh, you know, they're, they're reducing their time to hire, they're making uh, better hires, and they're able to talk to more candidates. And the thing I'm happiest about is that every candidate that um, our system is touching is having a much better experience with that whole job search process than they had before. 
That's that's wonderful. And I know that we talked, we had a in-person coffee session just to catch up. And yeah. just to kind of let the listeners know, we um, we went we went deep. Like we talked about key. Me- I mean, we we talked about you know how each other are doing. But the interesting thing is, is the key metrics in recruiting that you pointed out, and it kind of um, it kind of dawned on me, even with my own um, candidate experience and that kind of stuff, especially that I I love your passion for the customers love the new product, they can scale the recruiting, candidates are happy because each each touch point is maximized for them. So what are the key metrics in recruiting or the key metric? Well, I'll, I'll go, uh, I could go into all kinds of traditional metrics, but we found one that really stands out uh, in measuring how effective the recruiting process is. And it's something that most companies don't track at all right now. And that is um, response time. And that means time it takes between when Sean Sullivan applies for a job and when Sean Sullivan is talking to a human being. Um, the reason that's so important is that for the, the person who applied for the job, their their whole experience really comes down to how quickly are you getting to them and acknowledging their application? How quickly are you confirming they're qualified? And I can have that conversation quickly with you. Um, the chances of you... Um, taking a job somewhere else go down pretty dramatically. Um, with our customers, we, we've really focused on time. Um, most recruiting processes are very slow. Sherm reports the average number of uh, days between when somebody applies for a job, when somebody makes personal contact, uh, 21 days is the average. And, and we have learned in our own business by doing, we've done uh, over a million conversations candidates just this year. And the thing we've learned in all of that is that you have about 83 seconds to respond to a candidate before you start seeing a noticeable change in the number of interviews that you get. So the speed that you respond to candidates really makes a big difference. It's not rocket science. It's the same thing we've known on the marketing side of the house for what, two decades? Yeah. I think we also chatted about that too. It almost seems like, um, HR is kind of the last, um, the last department or last function to be be on the curve or be on, above the cusp of like trying to reach because like businesses thrive on new customers yeah. or, or repeating customers. But the other thing too is you have to hire the right people in order to support that. So how do you do that? And so my next, I think, falls right into the next question. Perfect. How can companies fix the whole recruiting process, including use at Pivot CX? And then okay. we'll, we'll go right into that first, and then we'll go to a follow-up question on that too. That's an interesting take on your framework around this. Yeah. So, so the where it all starts is the beginning. Um, you know, uh, any marketing interaction, the beginning is probably the most important part. We spend a lot of time measuring top of funnel, and uh, it's no different in recruiting. Um, you have a choice to make right away with a candidate when they uh, are when somebody goes to look for a job. They go to a job board. Do you have them apply quickly and easily on the job board? So do I let you apply with apply with LinkedIn? Or do I make you go to my career website and fill in my application that just happens to be 18 pages long? Um, you know, our thought is really the best way to get candidates right away is to respond is to let them apply the is the easiest way that you can. And then this is kind of where the magic happens. What we want to do is go from apply to high 
second. We want, we want to start a, a conversation with you as quickly as we can. And the way that we do that with Pivot CX is to apply for a job when indeed seconds later, you get a text message. Hi, this is Mike. I'm a recruiter at Pivot CX. You've applied for a Java developer. Uh, is now a good time? You answer that question with a yes. We immediately connect you with a live, a live person, and you can have a chat conversation right there. Just by taking, speeding up that top of the funnel, we've been able to watch uh, every one of our clients go from. Remember, I said sure, 21 day average response time. We've we've watched them go from that down to just a few minutes. And by doing that, it shrinks their time to hire from 45, 50 days down to less than a week. See that right there. I mean, I've been reading some other articles too about, you know, how can how can companies build better traction even internally? And if you kind of mm -hmm. think about it, even during the hardest times, if you know that, you know, you have coworkers and managers and leaders that have your back, you're more likely to push through all the crap that goes through, you know, what you're going through, or if you're having a hard project, you're having a hard day or whatever that may be. If you know how those people have your back, but it's, it all starts with recruiting. If you know mm -hmm. that they're going to respond and they actually care to respond back. And so here's the interesting thing about this is that your methodology and framework is not around, which is interesting because this isn't like a customer experience, candidate experience podcast. And a lot of people think it comes around with the emotional impact or the impact that you're doing. But the thing is, you came from a revenue operations or rev ops play into this, which is very interesting in the sense of it's very metrics driven. And so how how did that um, how did you know that methodology, that mindset in the sense of, you know, being a rev ops mindset to how to build a better candidate experience? Because that's kind of the thing that a lot of people are missing. They're like, how do I scale this? How do I? How do I even introduce this? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we talked about recruiters. You know, you, you kind of mentioned they're slow to adopt new things. And I, I think, you know, I want to say one thing. When you get to know what recruiters actually do, they have a really hard job because they're doing it um, a way that, that in the RevOps world we haven't done for three decades. Um, you know, if you go back two or three decades, I remember the first sales job I got, um, I, I – Got the job, and then my first day I show up, my manager has me go into his office, and he uh, hands me a book, you know, like a Xerox bunch of papers, and he goes, okay, here you go. Here's your list of leads. Uh, I need you to call all these leads, and then what we want to do is see if we can get appointments set with at least four of them in your first month and then two deals in your second month. If you get that done, then you're off probation and, and you get to have a great career at our company. And I'm like, okay, so what happens if I don't do that? He goes, oh, well, um, you're fired. And a lot of recruiters are still working in that kind of environment where um, aside it being very high pressure, it's also an environment where um, you're being asked to do everything. So a lot of recruiters are asked to do everything from going and doing research on the internet to find people to reach out to, doing the outreach, to then making the calls to, to actually get your attention. And, and I know we've all had those uh, headhunter calls and that kind of thing. They have to do that. And then once they get somebody on the hook, they've got to go uh, take them all the way to onboarding. So they've got to guide them through like five interview candidate through five different interviews, hiring managers. They've got to put all their information in this uh, HR information system so they can uh, get the benefits and everything. So they're doing all of the things that you have to do to hire somebody. And, 
what we did over in the RevOps world, uh, you know, over the last 30 years or so, I've watched it evolve from that, that you, hey, sales rep, you do everything to, hey, we're going to have a, an inside guy do the, the prospecting. And then it turned into, you know, we're going to change these into BDRs. We're going to let them kind of manage the funnel for you. Is that okay? And as the sales world evolved, became more and more metrics driven and much more specialized so that we didn't have these people that we were hiring because they were had these they're kind of freaks of nature with interpersonal skills. You know, when you look at a salesperson, what do they do? They're super persuasive and uh, super likable and, and generally go into com- you know, companies and, and are able to introduce themselves, build a relationship, and then, and then get this big deal. Um, the last thing you want that person doing is trying to do database management because, A, they're not going to be good at it, and, B, uh, you're taking them off of the field for meeting with clients. And so as, as the RevOps world's evolved, it's turned into a much more process-driven and metrics-driven um, business unit. And we, we see that with recruiting too. When we adopt some of the RevOps thinking around um, the whole idea of uh, you know the BDR, for instance, uh, well, in, in recruiting, we don't have that. And so one of the reasons why most companies don't talk to candidates right after they apply for a job is they simply don't have anybody on their payroll that can do that. Um, everybody is busy doing recruiting things. And, and the last thing that they want to do is go deal with a uh, hundred candidates that applied for a job of which, uh, you know, maybe six out of 10 of them aren't qualified for the job. So they have to just sit there and say, oh, no, 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 yep, yep, yep. And it's very, very, very hard for them to do that. So what, what our supposition was, if we shift the conversation over to chat, you can have a lot more conversations than you can on the phone. So back to these recruiters, a lot of them are still doing most of their workflow using a phone. So they might be able to have five to 10 meaningful conversations in a day with a candidate. A, a chat agent uh, can have a conversation with 250 people in a day. <laughs> and so what we've been doing with a lot of our customers is helping them realize, hey, if we want to give all these candidates a great experience, we actually have to have somebody that can talk to them. And um, so for some of our clients, we provide that as a service where we have a contact center that's right behind the wall behind me where I've got a bunch of chat agents back there um, chatting away for uh, all kinds of different companies. Um, but they're, they're helping candidates who applied for a job on Indeed have a great initial experience. Hi, you just applied for the job. Uh, people are blown away when somebody responds right away. And then uh, even as we're going through the qualification process and confirming you're qualified, they're okay with it because they're going to find out, hey, I'm not qualified. I can't, you know, I'm wasting my time looking for this job. Or they're going to find out, hey, this is great. I am qualified. Looks like there's a chance here. And they find out within minutes of that after they apply if that's the case. So it's a great experience there. Um, I love watching it, but it's no different than what we see going on with sales, where we took the sales reps out of the early funnel work and put in the BDR. And then we realized, hey, that BDR can do a lot more than just deal with your calling in or doing outbound calling that BDR can also help the sales rep out by helping them make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks. So the BDRs do a little bit of pipeline management. What we're starting to find out is that, you know, these, these people we started, we called them chat agents. We now call them candidate advocates because what they're really doing, they're talking with the, doing that early funnel engagement, and then they're making sure that the pipelines continue to function. So if a recruiter has an interview go on, the chat agents are able to go in and, and talk with the next interviewee and get it rescheduled for the recruiter. So um, everybody has a great experience, including the recruiter. 
and that's what it's all about. It's all about having the great experience on both ends, which, that's you know, right. which, um, coincidentally enough, just the kind of a backlog, this used to be a marketing podcast a few years ago. And then I started to talk to people and business owners and different people in different functions. And they just kept mentioning experience and experience, I think is the paramount. And then everything else just kind of lines up in the processes. And so I loved how you articulated that in the sense of experience came first, then came, how do we, how do we build this framework and how do we build this process and how do we build metric stripping? And that's where rev ops comes in, especially for recruiting. So, you know, no more grilling questions here, but do you mind sharing your story in the sense of how did you help either one of those three companies? How did you help a new company onboarded? What was kind of the process in the sense of your approach and kind of like, what was the results from that? Like, yeah. what are kind of the key metrics that you, even when you looked into the well, sense of the, of the app itself of the, like, what do you, what do you do? Like, how can you explain that? Or what do you do with the products? So, yeah, so, or so, so Sean, okay, so I'll, I'll start with a little bit about product because I think, I think that look at, um, you know, when you were working with, with us, when we were called work here, um, you were working in a company that had a great idea. I think our product was bad. It didn't fit. It didn't work the way it needed to. And um, we were terrible at listening to our customers at that time. Uh, we, we weren't hearing the input. and. Um, so, uh, when COVID hit, we had one other bad thing, you know, quote, bad thing happened to our company, uh, which was our, our CTO left a guy named Rick Worley. He's a really great guy. But when he left, um, uh, I got asked, Hey, Mike, you want to take that over and start building the product? And, um, um, I, I went ahead and slid over. I, I've built software for a long time. So this isn't like a new thing for me or anything like that. So I, I went ahead and, and go, okay, we'll take a stab at this. And the first thing I did is I spent two weeks doing nothing but talk on the phone with customers about what was working with this chat thing that we were doing. And I started learning about you know, what they really need. What, what can we do for you that would make this better? And we found a few things that, that were part of the workflow of dealing with um, coordinating workflow between our chat team and the recruiters. And so we, we um, kind of built a few features into our platform for distributing candidates. And um, that has turned into a um, pretty big business enabler because uh, we, we do work with large franchise organizations. One of our uh, customers is Great Clips. And um, when you go into a, a city and, and go to a Great Clips, you, you could, like Indianapolis or Atlanta, you can have 10, 15 different owners of those stores in, in, in Indianapolis or Atlanta. And uh, the problem Great Clips Corporate had was how do we advertise for candidates and then get them to the owner of the store so they can get, you know, they can hire them. And um, so as we listened to our customers, we learned, hey, we need a way to deliver a candidate, not just um, to somebody inside of our company, but maybe we have to deliver that candidate to somebody who works for, um, Know, Indianapolis clips or something like that and not great clips. Um, and so the, the ability to distribute candidates and, and kind of enable workflow um, really has been the key to, to building the product. And so, so we, we know we've got product market fit just by looking at our growth numbers. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is, Sean, I, I don't think this happened when you were with us. We've had zero customers churn um, all the way from January to now. Um, so got that right. 
so anyhow, back to just kind of back to product. Um, the big thing is uh, if you're going to build a uh, if you're going to build a product-driven company, it's very important to have a good product. And you're, if you remember our old two rules of marketing, you and I would always joke about you know do something, do it better next time. I think there's two rules in product too: make something that works, make sure it does something valuable. Sorry, listeners, I was taking notes. <laughs> um, it, so everybody can read it and listen to it too. And no, I love that. Like, that's the thing is a lot of companies miss is they do to go to market before they get the, they actually get the product market fit into there. And I think it's almost unheard of, even especially in a year, especially with sales cycles and all that kind of stuff, zero customer churn. Like if, if, is, even if it's a monthly subscription or whatever that may be, that's unheard of because in the sense of, you know, first of all, like pivoting a company, but then pivoting a company to making sure that it's aligned with customer needs. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, you took two weeks out to, to interview. And I think that's what's kind of missed in the sense of do the prep work of asking customers what they want and take the time into that because yeah, initially it's going to hurt bottom line and hurt numbers in the sense that you probably won't scale as quickly in those initial few months. But what happens to those next few months and those next few months after that, it starts to compound, like compound and then exponentially grow based upon that because you have zero customer churn, you can easily upsell. And so the, long, the long-term trajectory in it is much more pleasing to investors, to the company, to everybody else because you took that extra time in those two weeks to interview people. Well, the, in, the interviews were super important, Sean. It's, it's, and then, and then as you, you develop a product, as you, you keep building, it's very important to keep having those conversations, never, never become disconnected from your, your product's users. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, back to those kind of two rules, make sure it works like that. That means if, if it says it does it, it does it. Um, and then make sure it does something valuable. Um, that changes. What's valuable to an, a customer will change as market conditions change and as that customer changes their own internal processes. So, you know, I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about one of our customers. Um, this is a plastics manufacturing company that came to us in February of this year. And um, actually, I had, I had demoed our product an investor call like we had all of our, our investors that were waiting for us to do this call where they fully expected uh howard and i to get on there and go um guys it's been a good run we're shutting it down that's i think what they were expecting and instead we came back to the investor that we had and go you know what guys we took last year made new product we just launched it we have a little bit of evidence because we just signed uh ppg and clean harbors which are two pretty good sized companies to uh to, to try us out. Um, so we think we got something there. Um, here's what it is. So we demoed our product and then one of the, one of the investors was the CEO of this plastics company. He goes, you know what? Our, our recruiting touch with them. And, uh, so we started working with them and the first thing that we found out was, and, and tell me you haven't seen this with, with regular advertising. Um, they had, uh, they had three locations that were participating in pilot we were going to do, they had 11 different accounts that they were buying ads with on YouTube. And so their their ad budget was like diffused all over the place. They had no idea what they were spending money on or anything like that. And so 
what we part of our process is we want to get all the applications to flow into our system so we help them get that under control and they immediately saw a 20% increase in the number of applicants working to meet their own ads more quickly than each other. Um, then as we rolled into getting everything chat enabled, um, they found out that uh, some of their recruiters were really fast and some were not, and they helped the ones that were slower uh, kind of speed up to keep up. But the big thing is they stopped missing uh, good candidates. When a good candidate came through, they would be jumping right on it, and they took the time to hire from over four weeks um, down to four days. Um, the goal with them is to get them down to two days, and they're at about 2.1 right now. So they're working on it. They're not all the way there yet, but um, the, the speed is, is definitely increased. And, and, and just so everybody knows, you know, uh, like regular advertising, you are good at engaging leads that come in. It takes fewer leads to get a sale. It's no different with recruiting. It takes fewer applicants to get a hire if you're engaging them. Why is that? Because everybody hasn't already taken a job somewhere else, right? Exactly. That's interesting. The two point, like you're almost there. Two point one days. I think in the next few few weeks you might be getting that that two days. So we'll see. Well, uh, I got uh, kind of an interesting part end to that story. So about three weeks ago, we got a call from them and. Uh, this is this is why they brought us in. Uh, they they wanted to sell. They wanted to have an exit from the company. They wanted to sell it, and so we got a call from them going, "Okay, you were working with three locations, and we understand that to all eleven of our locations, and we are being uh, merged with another company that uh, does what we do, and we're going to expand the program into that company too." So uh, our our investor, who was the CEO, uh, he left the company, and he's probably going to be. Uh, injected into another company that that private equity company behind them bought. But what's been fascinating about it is that the private equity group that, that rolled this company up has brought us into a couple of their other clients because they, they saw the result where they were having trouble hiring. They were not able to run all their production lines. They, they got that problem solved. They were able to become much more effective in their organization because they were, they were hiring fast enough. And, uh, it's like a, it's a great story all around, but um, it, it really is just kind of truth. When you build something that works, um, it really makes a big difference. And I, I think one of the problems, Sean, and I think you know this because you looked at an awful lot of products over the years, there's an awful lot of stuff out there that just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, the product marketing, the enablement behind it are, are shit. I'm just going to say it. They're shit. <laughs> um, even when they, the, the, I find out the biggest hype. Um, when they talk about themselves, they probably have the worst products. The best products out there are when they focus around the customers and the customers are giving testimonials, giving word of mouth to other customers in the marketplace or the ecosystem, wherever you want to talk about it. But that's where you have to hone in on those ecosystems. So enough about recruiting, Pivot CX, like chat, all that yeah. kind of stuff. This part of the episode is about you. Sure. So when you get up in the morning, why – what do you love most about what you do for work? Well, um, I love uh, I, I love really building companies. It's a lot of fun to take something and build it up. I love the fact that you know every day I come into work, I've got uh, right now we're at about uh, twelve employees that are are making a livelihood from our product and from you know, do working with us. Um, 
I love all of that, and, and I love making it as easy for customers. It's it's a great way to go. You know, I, I love being in this recruiting sector because I'm I'm helping people get better jobs all the time, and I'm helping business owners actually reach their goals too. So it's it's like one of these rare cases that you know, you really get a. Um, I have a hard time finding anything negative about what we're doing. It's so that that really helps. Um, but but more than anything, Sean, all this stuff's about people relationships it's about really uh you know i really care about the people that i work with and and i love seeing them achieve their goals in life love seeing uh them get to do things they weren't expecting to do love helping them overcome you know the adversity that, that happens in their life and all of that so uh it's it's uh it's great to, to being an entrepreneur is great what do you do as for hobby and health to kind of help you, uh, one, probably keep sane, and two, um, kind of have, find out like a, not a balance, more of a flow in life? Yeah, well, um, I have uh, five kids. And so um, for me, um, most of my personal life involves finding time to spend with my kids, my wife, um, and, and just going and doing things with them. Um, so uh, not a not a lot. When I do find time for myself, I occasionally will buy an old Ford Mustang and uh, rebuild it. Um, the last one of them I did, uh, I, I'm still mourning, mourning when I wrecked it, uh, but I, I absolutely love rebuilding old Mustangs. Well, Mike, I think that um, is a testament to you in the sense that you love to rebuild things. So you rebuild something from work here over to Pivot CX. You pivoted things. And it's just a testimony about your relationships, about, you know, you know, even personally with, you know, being around and finding time with your wife and kids and you try to find time for your customers, the people that you work, that work with you and work for you and also your investors too. And you try to, and you just try to make sure that that balance is there. And so it's very testimonial in the sense of when I worked at work here, that was very much paramount as well as now, you know, I, I love that, you know, you have pivoted, literally pivoted a company, the name and the product and everything else. And I wish you nothing but the success and love that you shared this in the episode with the listeners, because I think there's uh, some, a lot of good nuggets to pull away from this. If they're unsure about the product or service, if they're not getting traction, you know, what, what are the steps? What do we need to reevaluate and how do we do that? And so I think you shared a lot of good insight on that. So thank you so much. John, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, I, I've, Absolutely, you know, on the personal front, absolutely uh, elated to see uh, just what's going on with your career. It's it's awesome to see you uh, you flourishing a bit here. Well, thank you so much, and to all the Converge coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap. <laughs>